0: Today on Campus Beat, we are talking to Linda Jessup, Associate Dean, Graduate Studies and Research with the Faculty of Arts and Science. We're also speaking with Jan Hill, the inaugural director of Indigenous Initiatives here at Queen's University. They'll be talking today about the new pre-doctoral fellowships for Indigenous students here at Queen's University offered through the Faculty of Arts and Science. The Faculty of Arts and Science is inviting applications for four one-year pre-doctoral fellowships for Indigenous students here at Queen's University. The fellowships are open to Indigenous students enrolled in any PhD program and working on doctoral research in the Creative Arts, Humanities, Social Sciences, or Natural and Physical Sciences at an accredited university other than Queen's. Fellowship holders are required to relocate to Kingston while completing their research in order to teach one course in the Faculty of Arts and Science and contribute to the intellectual life at Queen's University. Application deadlines are April 1st. For Indigenous PhD students, this is a unique opportunity. Not only will they receive financial support while they are completing their degrees, the fellows will expand their professional network and advance Indigenous issues, histories, and or ways of knowing while contributing to the intellectual life at Queen's. Perhaps most importantly, the experience will provide fellows with a competitive advantage in their career paths. And now stay tuned for my conversation with Linda Jessup and Jan Hill, where we can learn more about this fabulous program. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hi. These two people came in today to tell us all about the uh, new predoctoral doctoral fellowship uh, being offered through the Faculty of Arts and Science. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and the roles you play at Queen's?
1: <laughs> okay. So Ganut Shuni Yungyat Swaganyahtu, Dano Ganyunge Haga, Dagayanegid. Ganut Shuni is my Mohawk name. I'm Turtle Clan from the Mohawk Nation and Um, As you said, I'm the Inaugural Director of Indigenous Initiatives so my position came as a result of the work of the Truth and Reconciliation Task Force Report. One of the recommendations was to establish an Office of Indigenous Initiatives. So that office was established and is part of the Provost Office now to oversee the implementation of the recommendations from the Extending the Rafters Report, primarily. So a lot of, just about anything that has to do with anything Indigenous on campus.
0: Welcome to the program and thank you for your time today.
1: Happy to be here.
2: I do, Linda. Hi. Um, I'm the Associate Dean, Graduate Studies and Research in the Faculty of Arts and Science, actually one of two. Um, And as an Associate Dean for Graduate Studies, I work on behalf of the graduate programs in Creative Arts, in Humanities, Social Sciences, Natural Sciences, and Physical Sciences, because as you know Faculty of Arts and science is big and sprawling. And um, in that capacity I have an opportunity to to work on enhancing graduate student experience and the ways in which graduate student experience can turn around and fold in and inform undergraduate student experience at Queen's. So it's quite exciting to to work in that capacity in the Faculty of Arts and Science.
0: And welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate your time. Okay, so one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you today is because there's this exciting new program that's coming, the Pre-Doctoral Fellowship for Indigenous Students. So tell us about what what is a pre-doctoral fellowship? I've heard of postdoctoral fellowships. What's a pre-doc?
2: It's funny because people have trouble thinking about this because we're used to talking about doctoral fellowships and those are fellowships that are awarded to students that are registered at Queen's. Pre-docs are like postdoctoral fellowships. These are for students that are coming in from outside so to speak um, to take up a fellowship at Queen's and to become part of the community for a year. So pre-docs are students, in this case indigenous scholars, who are in the final years of completing their doctoral degree. So they'll be coming into Queens and they'll be wrapping up their research and hopefully completing their degree at their home university while in residence at Queens.
0: Okay, and what kinds of programs uh, would people be applying to to undertake this fellowship?
2: They just apply directly to the Faculty of Arts and Science so Mm -hmm. they can be in any any one of the disciplines or interdisciplines at in the Faculty of Arts and Science so right across from the Creative Arts all the way to the Physical Sciences they apply and they would then find uh, a place in uh, whatever the discipline or interdiscipline is that they work. Okay
0: now who is eligible to apply to this to this pre-doctoral fellowship program?
2: Um, well, this year, it we're, we um, just to, as we get things going and try to work out all the kinks in it, um, we it, it will be for uh, Canadian uh, um, citizen Indigenous students. So we aren't going international quite yet, till we work out all the um, the bumps in, uh, on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and students that are registered in in a university other than Queens that are pursuing uh, doctoral research are Indigenous.
0: Okay. Now, if students undertake research uh, at their home universities, while they're completing their doctor uh, mm-hmm. their doctorates elsewhere, what specific connections will they have at Queens University? How will
2: they be here? They're going to be in residence at Queens. Yes. So, um, well. And what does that mean? in residence, but living in in or around Queens, Mm -hmm. or around the uh, Kingston, I should say. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they're here, we want them to devote their time to the research. We're not trying to, in any way, take them away from the completion of their studies. So they will be here for uh, the year, and which... Uh, during which time they'll work on their own work uh, interact with people in the community uh, both the extended community and the Queen's community and then in one term they will um, teach a course which will bring them into the classroom Mm -hmm. um, where we will be able to um, uh, facilitate uh, conversations that we want to have at Queen's we'll be able to um, hand over some leadership and knowledge creation to the next generation of indigenous scholars so it's Mm -hmm. all quite exciting actually
0: it really is (laughs) now what motivated uh, the creation of this particular fellowship
1: well as i understand it we've had um, a, a phd candidate who was a student here at queens a few years ago who was successful in achie- in receiving a predoctoral fellowship at another institution other than Queen's, and she um, accepted that fellowship, and while she was there, it was much the same model as we have adopted here. She taught a course, but she also wrote her dissertation, and that was the whole purpose, was that she had dedicated time and space to do with the writing that she needed to do to complete her um her doctoral dissertation. So mm-hmm. I believe that was part of the impetus mm-hmm. for us for for it Linda was. specifically, was, yeah. um, looking at the creation of these pre docs because they're as as also as I understand it, these are the first of their kind in Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't have there are there are no other pre docs, yeah. particularly for Indigenous students, mm-hmm. at any other Canadian universities, and it's a very small pool of people. Um, one of the things we hope to address is is um, increasing the number of Indigenous scholars who will then become faculty at our universities because they in turn will then become role models to the younger generation of Indigenous learners coming out.
0: Now, um, I also understand some of the motivation also arose from the uh, Queen's Truth and Reconciliation Commission Task Force final report. I wonder if you can tell us uh, what this report is and what motivated that particular report and uh, the kinds of recommendations that are actually emergent from it.
1: Well, the, uh, it's called Extending the Rafters. The report is called Extending the Rafters, which picks up on Haudenosaunee tradition about in our longhouses, when we're extending our families or communities, we extended the rafters of our longhouse to make room for everybody. So the report, Extending the Rafters, is about expanding what we're doing at Queen's to make room for and to strengthen and broaden our family. So the report... Uh, the whole process came about after the release of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission task for our report where which had a huge number of calls to action for Canada and so the university was deciding and discussing what would be the best way for Queen's to respond to that that report and those calls to action there was only one specific call to action addressed to universities which identified Indigenous languages and the need to develop credentialed programs in Indigenous languages because many of them are at risk. But we decided to, um, the principal struck a task force here to look at the all of the calls to action to see how we could respond best. And a task force was put together of members of the community. Um, our task force team was made up of Um, about half and half indigenous scholars and staff and students and then um, non-indigenous or settlers and allies scholars and we undertook a huge consultation process where we had six um, thematic consultations within the Queen's community as well we had task force members travel to some of our partner indigenous communities. So we had task force members go to the Manitoulin North Shore area Mm -hmm. and also to the community of Tyendinaga as the closest First Nation community and then there was also a consultation engagement within the city of Kingston with the indigenous community here because there's a huge indigenous community in Kingston so drawing on all of those consultations we drew together 25 recommendations for Queens to address the calls to action from the uh, both the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission but also looking at the gaps mm-hmm. that people felt existed at the university and how we might address them in terms of um, creating a more knowledgeable and educated Canadian population around the experience and reality of indigenous people and also making the community of Queens a welcoming safe, Community for indigenous learners and a place that would become a destination for indigenous learners. So becoming a welcoming community and also engaging in educating the larger country Mm -hmm. because one of the things I always say is that Queens is a place where we educate leaders policymakers and decision makers and I believe that we do ourselves them in this country a disservice Mm -hmm. if they leave here not knowing anything about indigenous history contributions you know our whole reality and existence because it is hasn't largely been a part of any education system let alone universities but I think by the time students get to university and are going to go are going to go on in the world to make a difference that they really it's important for them to have an understanding of the history of indigenous people with the country. Okay, can you
0: identify a couple of the recommendations, I know you said 25, (laughs) you don't need to go through all of them, can you identify a couple of the uh, really uh, big recommendations and perhaps uh, uh, link the pre-doctoral fellowship to those recommendations too?
1: Well one of the biggest ones in my estimation and one of the ones that that was picked up at the University right from the beginning was the one to look at curricular um, development so that mm-hmm. there is inclusion of indigenous knowledge, ways of knowing, methodologies, pedagogies mm-hmm. uh, within the curriculum across the university when we were having this conversation it was at the same time that other universities were having a conversations around having mandatory indigenous studies courses so we had that conversation at our table as well and um, the conversation had arisen at our Senate meeting, and there were pros and cons to a mandatory course. So, the approach we decided to take here was to have an interdisciplinary approach and to have each faculty and school have indigenous knowledge within the curriculum that was specific to their area Mm -hmm. so if you're in engineering you're going to get indigenous knowledge that's specific and pertinent to your field likewise school of medicine law or across arts and science every area of arts and science and that arts and science is huge at queens Mm -hmm. (laughs) with our biggest faculty so that's that's what everyone is working on right now is the is the development of of that curricular change and so part of that also is we have an Indigenous Studies minor at Queen's so we're now in the process of investigating how we might extend that to a major.
0: I'm thinking in terms of the teaching aspect that was brought up earlier too what kinds of courses might uh, might we envision from potential candidates that could be taught just out of your own imagination I'm assuming this is self-driven by the (coughs) candidates yeah it is driven by
2: the candidate but just if I could speak to the um, Indigenous Studies program sure we have worked over this last year a group a working group to put together um, a course that could have different sections and could you know Accommodate different Indigenous scholars, senior PhD scholars at Queens, and coming in as predocs, so either or mm-hmm. um, that would facilitate Indigenous ways of know, knowing, would allow for students to develop curriculum, and as teaching fellows or as predoctoral fellows to teach a course in that environment. So mm-hmm. we do have that in place, and we're really excited about that as another initiative. Mm-hmm. And then in other programs, it would depend on the candidate what they'd want to teach. And, and we'd work with them in the department to get something set up.
0: Okay, and now in keeping with the development of teaching and uh, and developing actual courses, what supports might be in place for pre-doctoral uh, students to actually help them uh, learn how to teach? Well, They may be first time teachers too. Yeah, right?
2: it will, often uh, doctoral students are. Mm-hmm. And so we have a really great um, center for teaching and learning at Queens, mm-hmm. which will help out of course. And that's where they're going, that's where we're gonna direct our graduate students generally.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I might interject, we're just in the process of finalizing the hire of an education developer for the Center of Teaching and Learning who will specialize in indigenous pedagogy and methodologies. Yes. Wow. So that person will be able to assist faculty across the university in developing the curriculum um, that will meet through this recommendation. Sounds like somebody I'll want to talk to down there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How wonderful. Um, thank you very much. So um, what advantage and benefits uh, will Indigenous students enjoy if they become a Fellow? Why become a Fellow?
2: It's a very prestigious award to become a pre-doctoral Fellow at Queen's University. Um, It provides these students with an opportunity to finish their doctoral studies. There is another dimension of this. When you're in an area where there's high demand, and this is one of them right now, students will often be offered positions before they finish. Then you're teaching and you're trying to finish. And what happens is it's very hard to do that. I was in that position. I was in a high demand area when I started out. Um, and it's hard to do that, and it tends to impede the development of your research. Mm-hmm. And these are scholars that we really need to support because we have to have them take over the leadership in this area. And so this is a great opportunity for them to do that with our support and to give them uh, a nice line in their CV. And as I say, it's win-win because we're getting a lot from them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any advantages or
2: benefits you'd like
0: to
1: discuss? Well, I think the ones that Linda said specifically, but also it's going to give them an opportunity to engage with another community, yeah. another a scholarly community, Absolutely. because they're doing their studies at one institution, and you you know, every institution has their own environment and climate. So to be able to come then to Queens and to get, engage with scholars here and we have a quite a vibrant community of both indigenous and allied scholars who are working in the field of indigenous studies particularly so in or, so i think an opportunity is there for them to come and engage with another community and by doing so to broaden their own network and to and to find out all uh, many different things that they may not have been aware of before yeah okay. absolutely
0: how do candidates actually apply to this program and uh, when do they need to apply? Because the deadline's coming up, is it not?
1: I believe the deadline is April 1st and there's a whole process for applying. We try to
2: make it pretty straightforward because as I say, this the range of disciplines and fields of study is huge. Um, so we've actually asked uh, the candidates to um, just provide us with a description of their uh, Doctoral research and a couple of letters of reference from their supervisor and committee member, and um, uh, I guess that's basically it. It's a very simple application process. We have everything on the website, mm-hmm. um, transcripts. Um, so it's not very it's not onerous by any means. Um, mm-hmm. There were, yeah, and uh, April 1st it is.
0: And what does the adjudication process look like for uh, the applicants themselves? Like, what process would it go to in terms of? There are four fellowships, yes. I understand. Yes. So mm. we could expect several, maybe several hundred, or, <laughs> or maybe even more in <laughs> oh, terms of applications. Well, I, as I <laughs> said, like, it's <laughs> not a
2: huge constituency, <laughs> but we will have an adjudicate uh, a committee that we'll put together. We haven't done that yet, but. I'm hoping that we'll be able to tap on you, Jan, to join us. Um, And we want to turn these around fairly quickly because it's, You know, graduate students have a lot going on. They've got to get their summer research going, Mm -hmm. everything else. So we're hoping that once April 1st hits, we'll be able to do something within a couple of weeks and get back to those candidates, successful candidates.
0: Okay, so uh, applications are due on the first uh, fairly uh, easy, comprehensive process to go through online and you should hear back within a couple of weeks after doing so. PDFs
2: by email will do the trick. So when
0: candidates uh, become actual fellows here at Queen's University what kinds of initiatives and resources are available to support Indigenous students at Queen's and the Faculty of Arts and Science overall?
1: Well one of the biggest supports we have for Indigenous students is the Four Directions Aboriginal Student Centre and there's everything from soup to nuts available for students there. Seriously they can There's a feast twice a month at Four Directions, there's staff to help, there's student advisor, Um, there's cultural programming, social programming, Uh, there's laundry, there's all kinds of things at the center that's available. But one of the other things is the center coordinates a sage nest and sage is supporting aboriginal graduate enhancement mm-hmm. so a sage nest is a group of, in- of graduate students at the institution who come together to talk about issues they might have to share um, struggles they might be having but it's a it's a way to build community so that's one of the things one of the other things sage provides every year is an annual writing retreat so that's mm-hmm. one week dedicated off-site fully supported by an academic and a cultural support for that week so they can concentrate on writing. Um, And then there's the community of, of, there's the existing community of indigenous scholars who are already here Mm -hmm. and graduate students who are already here. So and my office.
0: Okay, um, I think that pretty much covers everything that I wanted to ask you about. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about the pre-doctoral fellowship or arts and science overall or um, Indigenous studies at Queen's University?
1: (laughs) I guess the only thing I would say is how very excited I am about this initiative because the number of Indigenous doctoral students as i said earlier is very low i think it's just over one percent like 1.3 percent as compared to the canadian population where it's over five percent i think might even be more 23 percent i think i read so we i feel like we need to do whatever we can to support development in this area because especially now with the release of the task force well here the task force but nationally the the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the Calls to Action. There's so many demands on people because more Canadians want to learn about our history and about how to be an engaged, civic-minded human being knowledgeable about Indigenous history and ways of knowing and being. Um, A lot of my colleagues talk about the whole issue what they're calling now is reconciliation fatigue because there are so few of us who are doing the work that we really need a critical mass and this is one way of contributing to that okay
0: well thank you very much both of you for coming in and giving us the time today i'm very excited uh to see the results and find out who our new pre-doc fellows will be (laughs) uh down the down the road sometime in april uh but before we close off uh, just where specifically can people get information about the program online?
2: It should. It's on the Faculty of Arts and Science website.
0: Okay, yeah. and uh, so it would be found right on the
2: homepage. Yes. Okay. And how do people get in contact with you? If you have, I was just going to say, if you have any trouble <coughs> finding it, just email me, and I will send you everything <laughs> that you need.
1: And I'm available by email as well at indigenousinitiatives at queensuniversity.ca.
0: Thank you very much for your time. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Campus Beat today with our discussion with Jan Hill and uh, Linda Jessup. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced at CFRC. CFRC and Queen's University are situated on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. You can find every episode of this and all of our podcasts at podcast.cfrc.ca. Thank you for listening to CFRC's Podcast Network.